Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Lord Mayor, Keith Topolsky. Yes, welcome to Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM of a Tuesday night, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. You can also download us at podcasts.com, that's podcasts, plural, .com. You're with the Lord Mayor, Keith Topolsky, and we're going through the favourite part of the end of summer for me, apart from the fact that we're getting rid of the heat and the summer and the sand, and we're moving towards the cooler months. That means it's NHL trade deadline. Absolute mountain of stuff to get to. Joining me to discuss the Eastern Conference, he's a Sydney Bear. The Bears have come on board with Triple H just recently, as mentioned by Tony Dosen when we discussed things about Macquarie Ice Rink and what the season holds in store. And one of the Bears' leading stars, he's currently playing his trade in Cape Cod about an hour out of Boston. It's a very warm welcome for his first appearance on Splinters. How are you, Jeremy Vasquez? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. What's life like over there at the moment in Cape Cod, plying your trade? Not far from... Bruins home in Beantown. Yeah, it's been a little bit cold lately. Uh, a little snow here and there. Mostly rain on the Cape, but uh, up in Boston, it's pretty snowy. Have you had a chance to get down and see many of the Bruins games yet, or do you not fancy getting your head bashed in? <laughs> I haven't really had time. I, I watched the game last year. Yeah. Okay. Now, speaking of last year, as much as it pains me to go through it, and it would pain you to go through it as well, we really have to. The Sydney Bears getting all the way to the grand final of the Australian League and going down in overtime in Melbourne to the CBR Brave. How painful was it to get that close, but at the same time knowing that you really did do a great job just to get there in the end? Well, to start off, we were predicted to be one of the bottom teams, obviously, but we brought in really good imports and we had a really good solid team top to bottom and obviously Kimma having an unreal season. It's it's really heartbreaking to go all the way to the grand final and lose it in OT. Reached out there by Hewitt, but it comes all the way back. Here come the Brave. Dives now, streaming forward, Potential three on two. He's going right shot. We gave it our all, and obviously we exceeded expectations. So it was a really great experience to go down in Melbourne for the first time and uh, and go go all the way to the grand final. As you say, you did exceed expectations by a long way. So it must have been great just to make the playoffs in the first instance, but to finish second overall, you must have been thrilled. And all the players, the long-term guys like Michael Schlamp, Adrian Esposito, and your coach Ron Kaprowski, they must have been doing handstands just getting there in the first instance. Yeah, absolutely. The excitement leading up, up to the trip was phenomenal you know we were winning games and everyone's happy that the team's playing well all the boys are bonding and it was a great lead up to the finals well we certainly hope you can go one further this year especially now that the bears are on board with triple h as station sponsors and we do hope to be able to call a couple of games but that's still in the pipeline still negotiating a couple of things but before we do move on to the eastern conference we might take a slight detour via the west and we can't go much further west than the los angeles kings because you used to play with the kings leading prospect in Gabe Velarde, I understand. Yeah, back when I played in Ottawa at C 
CIH Academy playing AAA. Watching watching him was unreal. You know, he was a top prospect back when we were like 15 and he played in the OHL for a while. He won a Memorial Cup and he's had a few injuries that's kept him out of the lineup this year for the AHL team, obviously, because uh, he hasn't made the NHL roster yet. But I think eventually he will be a starter for the Los Angeles Kings. Obviously, the injuries have caused him some problems this season in terms of getting into that starting lineup. Do you think that he's probably due for a start next season, given that the Kings are in firm rebuilding mode? Or is he a slightly longer term prospect, maybe another season in junior and minor? I think next year, maybe. I think he needs a little development in the AHL for the moment. Mm -hmm. But he can have a really big summer and work on his work on all the things he needs to work on and probably crack the roster next year. Let's get into it because I know that this is a Friday night and I have no doubt that now that the games have finished for the evening, you're probably looking at kicking back and relaxing before game time on the weekend. So let's start in the Metro Division, not far from where you are in Cape Cod, although it is outside the catchment. And we'll start at the bottom with the New Jersey Devils. Now, they've had a real horror season, but where do you think they're likely to move uh, in terms of shipping guys out? Because I know that they've got an absolute mountain of guys who are on expiring contracts that might not be wanted at the end of the season. They had a really good year last year with the with the core that they had. So I don't know if, if they try to move a couple picks and a couple players for more quality players and maybe maybe uh, some some more defense because they're, they're really good on in the forward aspect, but they need some players to play with Taylor Hall and prospect Nico Heischer. Do you think that because Taylor Hall is such an elite high-end scorer... Three, one, might be tempted to try and ship him out and see what they can get in return in terms of some elite young prospects? He was a hot uh, trophy winner, so it's hard to say. If they do ship him out, it would be more of a rebuild stint because mm. they, they wouldn't, you know, Schneider is a good goalie, but they wouldn't have any offense for a few years. And for those who are joining us and they're a little bit uh, less wise in terms of the NHL, the Hart Trophy is the MVP, so it's the equivalent of the AFL's Brownlow or Rugby League's Dally M or Cricket's Allen Border Medal. The New York Rangers are next. Now, they always were looking at rebuilding this season. We have a trade to announce. Since recording, New York has acquired defenseman Darren Radish from Chicago in exchange for forward Peter Holland. Back to the podcast. From what I'm reading of it, and feel free to tell me if I'm wrong here, but it seems to me that they have a wide range of needs, but they, they aren't really desperate for it because they do, for the first time in quite some time, have a decent pipeline of prospects coming through the system, and they might be able to fill those needs from within. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lundqvist is an aging goalie, and you never know when he's going to hang them up. On the third. Take away Clarkson. Save Lundqvist. Clarkson again. Save Lundqvist. He made an unbelievable save. So they have to get a new goalie, obviously, mm. soon. But yeah, they do have a lot of young prospects that they that they get, and they have prospects coming up and down from the from the minors. They just need that one stud on forward or or D to step up and you know take the reins, maybe from maybe from the draft this year. Given that this is the New York Rangers, you can never discount them as being a team that might go out and make a splashing free agency. What are the odds they make a play for? 
uh, Temi Panarin up front or maybe Eric Carlson on the blue line if those deals don't get done? Big possibility. You know, they have a lot of cap space, so it's a very high possibility to snag one of those high-end guys. Philadelphia Flyers. Now, for the first time in I don't know how long, the goaltending is about the only thing that's not providing problems for Philadelphia at the moment. Carter Hart has been a revelation. We have a trade to announce. Since recording splinters, Philadelphia has traded backup goaltender Anthony Stellarts to Edmonton in exchange for Edmonton backup goaltender Cam Talbot. Now, back to the podcast. But obviously, Wayne Simmons uh, is a physical forward. He looks like he's already got one foot out the door. Do Philadelphia just have to sit still and really rebuild from within? Because looking at their prospect pipeline, that they really do look stacked and they're widely regarded as having the best prospects in the league. I think they just need to wait it out, you know, let all their young prospects develop a bit, like Nolan Patrick, Shane Gostis there, Provorov. You know, they're, they're set on forwards and D. You know, they still have Giroux and all those stud forwards so, and Carter Hart in there. So, like, that's going to be a really deep team that they're going to have in the next few years. The Carolina Hurricanes. Now, these guys are interesting. Do you think they're going to go for it? Or do you think they're going to stand back and let everybody bypass them? Because they've got defensemen that they can move, and they've got forwards in Justin Williams and Michael Furland who are coming off contract. But they've got a lot of youth coming through as well. Well, obviously, they're middle of the pack. So, it's it's a tough situation for them. I think they should try and make some moves. They've gone and moved their young prospect, Noah Hannafin, to the Flames for uh, Hamilton. They've obviously tried to make moves, but it hasn't worked out right now, so they should probably just keep going, see what happens, and maybe pick up a stud in the draft. Now, this one is interesting because I don't really know how they add anything, given that they are completely capped out, but they always manage to do it at some point. They have already made a trade. The Pittsburgh Penguins, they have moved on Derek Brassard, they have moved on Riley Sheehan, in come Jared McCann and Nick Bukestad. Is there any possible way that Pittsburgh could swing another move because they don't have any sort of prospects. They barely have enough picks coming up as it is. They really are stacked to win now, but I don't see how they can add anybody extra. Yeah, I don't see how they could add anyone. Maybe if they trade a couple forwards for for like a stud forward in the league, that could be a possibility, but other than that, they're championship contender as it is. Do you think they'd be ballsy enough to try and move a guy like Phil Kessel? Milan Lucic holds, snaps it toward the front, but it goes wide. Back the other direction, it's Evgeny Malkin with Castle, throws it toward the middle, Castle's right there, coming in, he's I don't think so. They they might throw Kessel and Gensel in a trade for a, for a really top high-end guy. Now, that would be interesting given how well Jake Gensel's been playing alongside Sid Crosby of late. But we move, this is, and if you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, even as a Senators fan, you have my sympathy because what do they do with two of the elite players in the league? Sergei Bobrovsky, their goaltender, Artemi Panarin, left winger, both elite players, both look headed for free agency. Columbus, they're on the bubble. They're just in that area where they might make it. They might not. Pittsburgh's chasing them. I'd be fascinated to get your take on this. If you're in charge of Columbus, do you move Panarin and Bobrovsky or do you hang on to them and have a title run? I think hold on to Panarin and Bobrovsky because Bobrovsky is a is a really solid goalie. You know, he's had really great years. That is blocked by Dubois. Fast despair. Down low. Oh, what an outstanding glove stop by Sergei Bobrovsky. 
They have a young core in front of him. And Panarin, I think Panarin's happy with Columbus, so he would probably stay too. So uh, I think they, they should just keep going what they're doing. You know, they're third in the Metro division, and they're obviously doing the right things. Panarin certainly wants to get paid, but if he's happy in Columbus, then you would definitely want to hang on to him. The defending champions, the Washington Capitals, from what I'm reading, they're probably after a middle six scorer. Would they make Andre Burakovsky available? And who do you think might be an option to replace Burakovsky if he is moved on by the Capitals? I think they could use a, another big forward, maybe someone uh, in the Western Conference. Do you think they'd be in on either Michael Furland or Wayne Simmons if it came to that? that We've got ourselves a fight okay. here at Simmons and Erickson. Well, Simmons and Belmar, Belmar and uh, Erickson were a moment ago. Simmons like the, the big tall kid as Erickson is. Whoa! Down to the left and down. Yeah, absolutely. Wayne Simmons would be a, a perfect addition. I, d- I don't think that Barakowski is enough value to get Wayne Simmons, but that would certainly be a great option. In the Western Conference, it's difficult, obviously, because there's so many teams involved in what's referred to as the Turtle Derby at the moment. They're just so bad right across the board, and even the Kings who are running dead last, eight points out, still like their chances. So, obviously, finding sellers in the West would be difficult, but that physicality that guys like Furland and Simmons would bring to the Capitals would certainly push them up. We finish in the Metro. Do these guys, the New York Islanders, do you think they've been the surprise pack of the season? They lost John Tavares for nothing to free agency last season. They were expected to run last. They get a new GM. They get a new coach in Barry Trotz who won the Cup last season. And at the moment, they're leading the Metro. And it's a question of whether they actually ride the goodwill through the playoffs or whether they actually think they can take a swing at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're first in their division and they have young players like Barzal. Barzal able to hold off Lee and they have a really great opportunity to do something really good in the next couple of years as they're a great free agency destination so hopefully they can pick up some more guys to put around those young forwards If you're looking at someone to throw on the trade block then I'm thinking that the likes of Josh Hosang and Michael Dalcolle would probably be the real premium players that they put up given that they haven't quite met expectations uh, on Long Island but at the moment they, they are still possible reclamation projects elsewhere. Yeah they could definitely get some picks for uh, Josh Hosang or, or maybe even another depth forward but other than that you know they're obviously they're, they're doing good right now so I wouldn't change anything. Let's head across to the Atlantic and if you'll excuse me for a moment I need to go out the back and cry and maybe hit myself over the head a few times before I actually get through this. <laughs> <laughs> My Ottawa Senators, it's been a tyre fire of a season. Ryan Dezingle, Matt Duchesne, Mark Stone all on the block, Cody Cece on the block as well. What is the outlook for us in Ottawa? Give us something, something to hang on to as maybe something optimistic given we don't even have our first round pick this season. At least you have a good D-man in uh, Shabbat. Don't really lose anything offensively with Ellis and Yossi. And a turnover here, Dezingle takes it away, Shabbat's got it. But uh, you have a couple of pieces to move, like Mark Stone. Takes the drop.
it's more of a rebuild couple of years for the senators um hopefully they can pick up some some good guys in the draft and claw their way back up to the top you know losing eric carlson is any team would dip below standards so that that's an interesting one you mentioned in the eric carlson trade because it's quite possible that ottawa could end up with four players plus two first round picks out of it because if san jose actually go through and win the stanley cup this season not only do ottawa end up with the 2020 first rounder for san jose but also the 2021 first round picks so that's something to look forward to i know that ottawa has been scouting winnipeg and vice versa the last few days so mark stone as you mentioned is the leading defensive winger in the game i don't think there's any doubt about that one of the top defensive forwards do you think that someone like a jack roslovic coming back from winnipeg makes sense if they're going to lose duchene as well because roslovic does look like he's going to be a really good maybe even a late center i think change is necessary so moving mark stone would be would be the move or duchene duchene would be great because he's been obviously underperforming in, in ottawa so maybe he can revive his career elsewhere and it really does speak volumes to what matt duchene can accomplish in a season like this when he's on track for a point per game season and that is still an underperformance given what he is capable of i i think you're probably right if he does go somewhere else he could be a 100 110 point player another team in the atlantic that has some real problems the detroit red wings they're looking at rebuilding at the moment what are the odds that gustav nyquist ends up waiving his no trade clause to go somewhere else busting in after it as ottawa surrenders the puck to detroit nyquist Nyquist forced on his backhand the whole way by MacArthur. And now back again. He's going to get dizzy. Now go on to his forehand. Out of the backhand again for Gus Nyquist. Trying to get away from Cowan. It's all Nyquist on this ship. Keep on going. Nyquist has it. Nyquist shooting. Scores! Game winner with a ship. That's very likely. They're in a highly dangerous zone right now. They have no goalie. Jimmy Howard isn't good anymore, and they don't have any D. They don't have any forwards, and their draft pick that they just had is also underperforming, so it's not a good situation for the Red Wings right now. That's a good point you make, because Philip Zadina had all sorts of raps on him, and there were plenty of people willing to line up and take shots at teams that didn't pick him until Detroit did, but this season hasn't exactly shown teams like Ottawa to be wrong in their choices. The Florida Panthers are an interesting case because they don't know whether they're coming or going at the moment. Guys like Mike Hoffman, certainly Derek Brassard, Riley Sheehan, are they likely to be sellers? Because there's a whole lot of talk going around that they're going to line up for a big swing at Panarin and Bobrovsky if they get to free agency. Absolutely. You know, if you can swing, if Florida can swing that, they should be looking pretty nice next year. The Buffalo Sabres, this is another difficult one because they've had a lot of misery over the last few years as they've attempted to rebuild. New coach, new GM. They looked like they were on track earlier in the season. They put 10 wins in a row together and since then they couldn't score from point blank. They've had an absolute howler of a back end of the year coming up to the deadline. Do you think that they move Jeff Skinner or do you think that they try and re-sign him because he has just been scoring off the charts ever since he got a decent centre inside of him in Jack Eichel who was number two to Connor McDavid. I think they do re-sign Jeff Skinner. He's a great forward. Darlene, cross ice. Eichel walks in, fires one. There's another rebound off the first save. They bang away and it scores! There it is, Skinner in front of the net. Cross ice pass here, flagged down by Eichel, tried to move to the slot, didn't, and Pommyville shuts it, rebound, they score! Who else? Jeff Skinner. 
he, he brings a lot of scoring and great skating ability to the team. That makes Buffalo an absolute wagon with all the prospects that they have. Do you think they move a couple of those first round picks? Because they've got something like 15 picks in the first three rounds over the next two seasons or something like that. So they've got plenty of picks in the top three rounds of the draft over the next two years. Is that cannon fodder? Absolutely. They've stockpiled those picks for a reason. They've planned it out perfectly. The Montreal Canadiens and hello to Anthony Caruso and to Alan Jones who are listening and no doubt they'll be very happy with what's happened this season because nobody gave Montreal much of a chance this season. Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi's been very good for them in his first year. Yet He's not a first-line centre yet, but given that it's his first year and not everybody can perform like Connor McDavid, I think he's been pretty good, but I don't see them being able to do much more at the deadline because the only player that I'd be inclined to move if I was Montreal is Carl Alsner, and he's just he's just a tyre fire at the moment. Yeah, Carl Alsner is a great D, but they, they have a lot of quality prospects, and they're going to have a hard time trying to move his contract. It's going to be tough for them, but the way they're looking right now, I think they can afford to keep him for the moment. Yeah, I'm in agreement on that. Now, let's get some local knowledge because, as we mentioned, you are living in Cape Cod at the moment, and the Boston Bruins. Now, they've always been a physical team. They've always been a niggly team. All you need to do is look at Brad Marchand to look at somebody that only a mother could love. Do they need any more physicality up front? Because there's a lot of talk about them wanting Wayne Simmons, but they've been a little bit shy on scoring of late. I think they could muscle up something. They have a lot of prospects, a lot of forward prospects, like Ryan Donato, and then they have Carlo up the back, and they have all these young guys coming in from uh, NCAA D1. They can definitely muscle up something in the next couple of weeks. They've got a massive prospect pool as well. They don't have that really elite end talent, but they have got probably on that second tier where you know they're going to be very good, an absolute mountain of players to pick from from there. So is there really any excuse for Boston not to try and move out a couple of prospects given they are so deep? Either way, they're winning. They have a lot of prospects that could turn out to be just like Pasternak, or they could try and go for an elite forward or defense. Now, I'm a Senators fan, and I just hate to admit that these guys are going well, but the Toronto Maple Leafs, there's been a weakness all season that the Leafs have on their right-hand D on the blue line. They, they lack a right-hander. They did trade for Jake Muzzin a couple of weeks ago, sending their first-round pick to the Los Angeles Kings. Power play by discuss that a bit more in the second half when our next guest does come on to discuss the Western Conference. But do you think the Leafs are done yet? Or do you think that they maybe look to move somebody else, even though they are capped at the moment, because there's talk that they don't want to move Timothy Lilligren, they don't want to move Rasmus Sandin, but they really do have a hole on that right-hand side on the blue line. And if they can plug that, then I don't think there's any reason they can't go with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I think they're going to stick with this young prospect that they have. He's a, he's a really great pickup for them. I think next year or the year after, he should be a really great D-man for them and should fill that hole really well. Fill me with hope. Just give me an argument to make Toronto trade for someone like Cody Ceci who couldn't stop a beach ball at the moment. Is there any chance that Ottawa can get something for Cody Ceci out of Toronto? I don't know. <laughs> a, couple, a couple of years ago, maybe, but not now. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to agree with you. My, my head agrees with you, but my heart is just pleading. We're going to wrap up the Eastern Conference. Is there any possible way that the Tampa Bay Lightning can get any better because course, they're something like 15 points clear at the top of the league. Yeah, they're an absolute wagon, you know. They, no one can touch them. They're, Kucherov has 92 points and they're still 20-something. 92 points in 60-odd games, so that'd put him on track for you'd have to be looking at about 110, 120 points. At least. 
Checked by Andre Palat. Edmund with it. Slips it ahead. Kucherov's got it. He cuts in. Forced to the backhand. He scores! Nikita Kucherov. Let's not forget that Nikita Kucherov actually took unders to stay with the Lightning because they wanted to be able to put together a championship team. Now, Steve Eisman has put that team together. If they are going to move for any sort of extra players, who do they move out? Because they don't have a huge number of top-end prospects, but I think Cal Foote and maybe Alex Barre-Boulet are probably the top players that might be able to be moved by the light for some sort of reinforcement. They also have to think about the future, so they need prospects too, so they might just hang on to them and keep stacking those prospects and those stud forwards in these. We're down to the last couple of minutes for our Eastern Conference, so let's steer away from the Eastern Conference and maybe back to you for a little bit. What are you hoping to achieve with the Sydney Bears this season, and when can we expect you back in Sydney? Um, I'm going to be back around end of April. I won't be here for the first couple of games, but uh, we're obviously looking to push again for the playoffs. We got the same kind of core again this year, so we should be a contender. Now, you do start off, as you say, you're not going to be here for the first couple of games, but it's a New South Wales-focused start. You've got the Ice Dogs technically away, but it's still at home. Then you've got the Brave at home in the grand final rematch the next day. Then you're off to Newcastle and Canberra to start the season, so there's not an awful lot of travelling there, so I'm imagining that you'd be hoping to really pick up some points early. That, that's every, every forward's dream. Is the focus really on making sure that you can take down the Brave in as many games as possible to try and set up some momentum, hopefully going into the playoffs this season? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if we can get a if we can get a couple of wins against the Brave, it'll definitely boost our confidence and help us towards the finals. And obviously, the set the saving of the Macquarie Ice Rink has obviously put a real bolt of confidence through the Sydney Bears, and you must be grateful now, knowing that the Macquarie Centre is going to be your home for the long term. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the support from the community is unreal. Having that many people sign all the petitions and get involved, it's absolutely amazing. You know? Thank you for joining us, Jeremy. It's great to have you on board. It's great to have the Sydney Bears on board with Triple H and the bench and splinters. And we look forward to catching up with you again during the season. All right. Thanks for having me. See you soon. That's Jeremy Vasquez from the Sydney Bears. And coming up next on Splinters, we're going to be discussing the Western Conference with former Calgary Herald journalist David Gazard next on Splinters. <laughs> Welcome back to Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM of a Tuesday night, streaming live on triplehfm.com.au. You can also download us at podcasts.com. That's podcastsplural.com. Big thanks to Jeremy Vasquez of the Sydney Bears taking us through the beasts of the East and maybe the least of the East as well in some circumstances. Now it's time to talk the best and the rest of the Western Conference and joining us. He worked for the Calgary Herald as a youngster. He moved there when he was 13, spent a great deal of his childhood playing for them and now in Canberra, he plays for the Fairburn Bombers in the Senior Men's D-League, and apparently there's no E-League, so we'll run with that. And it's a very warm welcome to Splinters on his debut, David Gazard. Thanks, Keith. Uh, good to join you. We're talking Western Conference, but before we get into the ins and outs of the conference itself, what was it like moving over to a place like Calgary when you were just 13? Because if there's one thing that Alberta is famous for, apart from oil, it's their brutal winters. I, I like to say that I, I moved to Canada for 16 winters. If you if you come from Australia and you sort of realise it doesn't have to be that way, you never quite get used to that absolutely bone-chilling wind that comes in over the Rockies and goes across the prairies. And at minus 25, as an Australian, you find yourself saying, what am I doing here again? And I, and I always sort of thought the people who came from Eastern Europe who, who moved out, they moved west, they came across the prairies, they 
obviously farmed. They lived in little mud huts or they built bricks out of the prairie grass. And they got to spring after, you know, enduring minus 40s. And they went, yeah, let's do that again. We're staying. So, yeah, I, I, I suppose coming from the southern hemisphere where we don't have the that, that kind of weather, we really do feel like, you know, literally frozen fish out of water. Well, we do like to say that Australians don't have winters and Canadians don't have summers. So it was probably a great thing to move home. And you do mention the Eastern Europeans. Another shout out to mate of ours, Peter Schmeagel, who uh, would be listening in and he would have heard uh, the outlook for his New York Rangers. But what, what was it like getting out of Calgary eventually and moving back to Australia? Was the, the heat something that you took a while to get used to again? Probably a little bit. I, I, I do remember the first winter I was back and I, I moved to the coldest region. I live just outside Canberra now. The first winter, I, I didn't even wear a jacket. Forget it. This was like a breeze, right? But gradually over time, my blood's thinned up. I've reacclimatized to uh, living in a place that's not known. You know, Calgarians used to say there was 11 months of skiing and one month of bad sledding. The, the, the one thing, though, you got to say, I mean, it was a great place to live. I loved living there and I loved hockey. I started playing passably and hockey is just a religion. It's like the AFL in Melbourne to the power of 10. It's just, mm. it's everywhere. And that sort of gets you, it gets in your blood and I still, I still watch it closely. I still love it. Well, speaking of cold places, we'll kick things off in our Western Conference trade deadline preview by heading to the Windy City. We're off to Chicago and these guys are in the middle of a rebuild and they've got some assets that they're going to want to offload. But one thing that really is standing out to me is the fact that Patrick Kane is on $10 million a year for the next three, four, maybe even five years. Put off down to Kane. Kane makes a couple of moves there on team and it. Kane put it to the net. Where is it? Where did that it's in. It up in. It's in. It's that in. Is in the net. Patrick Kane is celebrating. He's the only one on the ice that knew it was in. What, what odds do you think, and we spoke about Columbus with Jeremy before, what odds do you think that Chicago might try and swing a trade for Artemi Panarin from Columbus so that Columbus get their elite winger back and then Chicago can go and flip Panarin for some futures with, where he does not have control over where he goes? I suppose if you're Chicago now, you're sort of, you, you, you're generally on the, and genuinely on the downhill slide. You've done so well for so long. You've got great players. Do you spend $6 million plus for Panarin or do you really look to some younger prospects to rebuild longer term? That that would be my one thought about around Panarin. Do you prop it up with one guy who you're going to have to pay a lot for, even though you you got cap space by freeing up uh, some of these guys who are definitely still good, but they're only going to last for a, for a little while. So you, you may not get a whole lot for them, and you may be paying a lot and sort of just shoring up a, a team that is gradually falling apart, rather than throwing everything at at a, at a significant rebuild. That's the I, I guess the uh, the question to be occupying their general manager. Especially when you've got Jonathan Taves who's on the same contract. Brent Seabrook is on an albatross of a deal. Duncan Keith is past his best as well, although he could add some value. So they've got a lot of veterans there that they really do need to move out who have got plenty on the salary cap. You could probably look to trade some of those guys to teams that really need a leader to dig them out of a deep hole where they need that sort of star power. They need a guy that's come in as proven winner and you could pull up some of the prospects that their scouts like and they just haven't been able to get hold of and you're, you're sort of looking at less cap hit. You might have to take a bit of a gamble on some of them, but you are potentially shoring up your franchise in sort of three, four years' time. Speaking of shoring up franchises in three years' time, we move on to the Colorado Avalanche and they have been absolutely outstanding in improving from what was an absolute disaster of a season a few years ago when Patrick Wahl left as coach on the verge of the season. Now, offline, you and I are part of a what we'll call a hockey sledging group. So if you really want to give it to me about the fact that Colorado has Ottawa's first 
first-round pick. Now's the time, and I'll give you some leeway on this, but I don't see them buying much given that they do have so much in the pipeline, especially with that first-round pick that could be a top pick overall. Well, I wouldn't say terribly much. I wouldn't praise you too much for first-round picks given we picked up one of your first-round picks, albeit at a cheap price, and he's now at the Stockton Heat, Curtis Lazar. Let's just wait before we come down on the side of this being a great trade with Colorado. The one thing you'd say about Colorado is they need everything after their first line. They've got the most outstanding top line that have got how many scorers in the in the in the top ten? They got at least two, I think, don't they? In the in the uh, the top ten. I think and Landeskog lands just outside the top ten, and then you've got McKinnon and Rantanen who are firmly wedged in, so they are electric. They are fantastic, right? But it falls away fairly quickly from there. So mm. you'd have to say they're going to be a buyer. They need to give up something and get something. They got to they got to be buying. I'm not sure how much. Do you know how much they've got in ter- terms of cap space? I, th- I think they've got plenty of cap room, but they then have to look to the future in terms of some of the prospects they've got coming through as to how much they can commit. So they can't commit to guys three, four years down the line. They can probably do two years before the cap really starts to bite with some of the young players they've got, like Kafut and Comfort coming through. Soderberg, they could sell him. He's 33, but uh, I, I'm not sure, quite sure how much they've got to offer, to be perfectly honest. They're, they're going to have to... Uh, they've got the real high end and then not much else. So you can't afford to give away much and you, you need a fair bit. That's their difficulty. I would certainly be holding Pat if I'm Colorado and another team that's got some real issues in terms of trying to figure out who they are, what they are, is the Minnesota Wild. They are strangled by long-term contracts to Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi. GM Paul Fenton has been given the green light by management to do whatever he thinks needs to be done to make the team better now or in the future. They've really only got one standout that could be on the move uh, at the deadline and that's Eric Stahl who's been quite productive this season. He's gone through his ups and downs but really Minnesota is in a really bad way because they've got some really ugly contracts clogging them up. Do you really want to get rid of Stale either? He's been fantastic for them this year. And Rask will come out to play trying to catch Minnesota in a change. Bergeron over the line. Heinen past Bergeron. Pasternak couldn't hold it. Stahl has a shorthanded breakaway. He scores! You could be taking your standout player to trade for who knows. We all know where that can go and get yourself into real trouble like that. He's a proven performer. He can trade for a really good player, but the chemistry doesn't work out. So you know that guy's going to produce for you. So he's uh, getting rid of him to gain question mark. That's their issue, isn't it? Yeah, and they've got a lot that's committed in, in contracts. St. Louis is also a team that's got some real question marks over who they are. They've done really well to emerge from really the depths of hell to go into third spot. I think they've dropped back one with results overnight as we record this, but goaltending is no longer an issue with Jordan Bennington stepping up and really taking over from Jake Allen, but given where the strength of the Central Division is, even though St. Louis are in a playoff position at the moment, is there really any point in St. Louis going for it this season? From where they've come from to where they've got to, I think they would see themselves as a legitimate contender. They're 29 and 22, so they're seven games over 500 at the moment. They do have some players they could trade. I I noticed uh, Bo Meester is in there, although he carries a big, big cap hit and he's he's aging. But I think the franchise coming from where they have this year, which was, uh, they were uh, mired in the the basement for uh, probably the first 15, 20 games of the season. So they've gone on a bit of a tear and they would see themselves as prospects. So you never know too. A team like that could see that it's the depth of the franchise they've traded for that's actually starting to deliver for them now. So they may actually not really need to go buy or to look to a rental because they've 
They they may have the faith in the organisation to get them there in the end, and and they're certainly uh, they're certainly not out of it, are they? Not at all. Speaking of the rest of the West, when it comes to the Central Division, you've also got the Dallas Stars, who have made headlines because team ownership has been ripping on their star players in Ben and Tyler Sagan. They used to be a team that couldn't stop scoring. Now they can't score. They're looking for leadership down the middle. They're looking for scoring wingers. They've been speaking about Zuccarello from the Rangers, Dezingle from Ottawa, Derek Brassard, who got moved out from Pittsburgh to Florida. But they're going to have to give up some prime prospects because if they're going to win now, they don't really have that much in the pipeline. So are they really going to part with a guy like Julius Honka, who could be a core top four defenseman in the future? Yeah, and I, I think you've probably, you got to say, you got to call a spade here, spade here, Lord Mayor, and say Jason Spez has been... Take note, he's, take note, Matt Mears, take note, respect. He's been an absolute disaster since they picked him up from Ottawa. So I would say that's the cancer that's eating away at the franchise, to be quite honest. <laughs> Great move on our part to get rid of him. Now, we do move on to where the strength is in the Central Division, and there's no doubt that these two teams are the gun sides. And if they don't meet in the second round, then you can write your own ticket on what exactly would have happened. We'll start in Country Music Central with the Nashville Predators. They've already picked up Brian Boyle. Kyle Tourist has been in and out of the lineup due to injury, so he hasn't really settled. They're still looking for something down the middle. So really pitching high here as a Senators fan who really liked Kyle Tourist before he left. Is there room there, do you think, Matt Duchesne to the Predators in exchange for Eli Tolvanen and Kyle Tourist and maybe a throw-in as well? I think it's going to definitely have to involve two or three players and maybe a prospect. Ottawa's not going to give up Duchesne easily. I think he comes with a current $6 million a season cap hit, doesn't he? And um, he's a pending UFA as well, so that's going to go up to about eight. Yeah, it'd go to eight. So you're looking at eight. Does Nashville have the space for that? If they got rid of those uh, those two, what, are they, what does that free them up with? Well, Tourist is sitting on six, so they might be able to pull it off if they make a couple of minor moves on the depth lines in the postseason. Yeah, I can see them going hard for someone like Duchesne. They could use him, that's for sure. They did go hard for him previously, but they just couldn't swing the numbers. We'll round out the Central Division with the sole Canadian side there, and really, I think, one of the favourites to advance to the Cup Final from the West in the Winnipeg Jets. The last few days, it's been all Mark Stone all the time from the Ottawa Senators. The Jets are scouting the Sens. The Sens are scouting the Jets. So there's obviously something doing there. Mark Stone going to the Winnipeg Jets, but he's going to cost an absolute mint. He is the best defensive winger in the league. He's one of the leading defensive forwards in the league. What can Winnipeg do to get him? Because they're going to have to give up something of significance in return to fit him under the cap if they want to re-sign him. What do you think about trading Lane, who has started well? He's fallen into a sophomore slump. He's not producing. He's seen as a bit of a cancer. People like can't figure out why he hasn't got his game on track. He's definitely one of the, the best shots in the league. He might need a, a bit of a shake-up to his career, and they wouldn't mind maybe parting for him to get somebody. I like what you're thinking, but I don't think the Jets are prepared to give up on him just yet. He was electric in his rookie year, and sophomore slumps are not unusual. That they, they might offer him a bridge deal, maybe two or three years, at maybe five or six million, and then if he can't get out of that slump, then maybe they can flip him as a reclamation project. But I'm thinking that Line A, they won't part with him just yet. Maybe Jack Roslovic, who can play centre or wing, and who's currently playing on the wing, but he's more comfortable at centre, could be an ideal replacement for Stone and Duchesne, given he can fill both roles. I tell you what, Winnipeg, though, they've missed Bufflin. All three by Stone, he is hammered by Bufflin, and that is going to draw a crowd. Wow, did Bufflin ever level Stone? He 
Melbourne's coming back in the next couple of weeks. They're on a tear since the All-Star break. They are a genuine contender, and they are only going to harden up with Buffalo getting back. So, um, trade, you, you sort of maybe 50-50 there. They <laughs> could go either way to shore themselves up long-term, but they're producing even now. So, you'd sort of say they are a genuine, genuine chance for a deep, deep run in the playoffs, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. I've still got them as my favourite to come out of the West. I know that we're going to have a real discussion about that. You probably wouldn't put them as Canada's team like you would with Calgary at the moment, but they would be definitely second on the on the ladder, wouldn't they? <laughs> Started already. Speaking of Calgary, they are in the Pacific Division and we'll head there right now and we'll start with what used to be the most daunting trip in hockey has now become one of the most simple trips in hockey. We'll start with Anaheim Ducks who have gone quack, quack, splat this year. And if your name isn't John Gibson or Jakob Silverberg, then you're pretty much on the block, surely. Stretch pass and Pezik gets it in front and Gibson denied Barkov. They're old, they're slow, they're past it, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> and I, they, they, I, they're stuck with their big three because they've all got no moves. That's exactly right. And for a team like Calgary, we, I remember, I don't think we won in their building for 20 straight games. I just love seeing them get caned night after night. But they got to be in the market, don't they? And it's they're really stuck because who do they move? Who do they get? Who's going there? So um, it's a tough road for them to hoe, isn't it? They, they're going to have to draw heavily on the draft and on prospects that they've identified over previous years and bringing them through. I can't see where they're going to go, to be perfectly honest. We also stay in Los Angeles to go across to the LA Kings. They've already moved out Jake Muzzin for a first plus a couple of prospects to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know that they're the key players and that these two are players that you can really build a franchise around and rebuild well, but surely you've got to look at at least what you can get for Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty who are just two stud players that would win anywhere they go. Left wing, Penner, a back pass to Hall, and full speed, Penny's power, felled, and a beautiful check by Dowdy, and then Penner goes after Dowdy. I think that's right. They would genuinely be uh, an addition to a lot of teams. Where they, where, where would you see them needing players? If, if you're going to get rid of Kopitar and, and, and Dowdy, who are you looking for? You've got to go elite blue chip prospects. You can't go mm. just the high-end prospects. You've got to go the really elite guys who are coming through. There's not an awful lot there. I know that a few players are being stockpiled by the Jets. We mentioned them a couple of moments ago. They've also got guys like Appleton, but that they really need more than that. So where they do decide to move these guys, there's going to be a market in the off-season for these guys. They'll have probably get moved at the draft rather than now. You've really got to find a home for two elite talents like that. And we spoke a moment ago about the Anaheim Ducks and how much you're enjoying seeing them play miserably. You are going to absolutely take more joy than getting married and having kids in this one because we move to the Edmonton Oilers who have been an absolute farce this season. You can't put McDavid on the block. You've got two uh, other centres and then two defencemen, but for a team that has Connor McDavid, they have just been absolutely embarrassing. We have a trade to announce. Since recording, Vancouver has traded forward Sam Gagne to Edmonton in exchange for Edmonton forward Ryan Spooner. Now, back to the podcast. 
Mm. I think um, this has been the culmination of years and years and years of bad trades. And mm. uh, you've just seen the, probably the best player in the NHL surrounded by hopeless talent, really. That's that's the only way of saying it. And mm. I think the pressure is on McDavid in that franchise to actually leave. I mean, there's a, will you ever fulfill the dream of winning a Stanley Cup in Edmonton? And that, that that's saying something, isn't it? That's a big question, right, given where they've come from. And I cut my teeth in hockey when Calgary always had to get through Edmonton and, and only really succeeded in the, the latter half of the of the 80s and went through the, the Gretzky, the Coffee, the Yari Curry stage, Glenn Sather, just an absolute powerhouse franchise, and now they're rock bottom. Where do you go? Because they don't have much cap space and they're bogged down with players they've traded for that just have not worked out. The Adam Larson for Taylor Hall trade was just an absolute embarrassment. Adam Larson now maybe a depth defenseman on contenders. Taylor Hall won a heart last year, so that really does tell you all you need to know about the Edmonton Oilers, yeah, a team that yeah. we we can't really get a read on, though. The Arizona Coyotes, because they have just been murdered with injury this season. Last check, I think they had something like six or seven players on injured reserve, so until they actually get healthy, there's not really much they can do because they don't know what they are. There's another franchise that really started poorly and actually got their act together, but you're quite right. They've been absolutely rocked by injuries, and it's hard to judge, right? Do you go, mm. do you stay with, with the players you got, given that they're starting to get their chemistry together or do you, you trade? Uh, you can't really offer uh, a, uh, a prediction here. I haven't seen much in the rumor section of newspapers around the Coyotes at trade deadline. You know, we're nine days to go, so they could be working on stuff and we just don't know about it. But I just haven't seen anything that suggests they're in the market in a big way. Speaking of a team that's not in the market in a big way, Jesse Landry, another friend of ours, his Vancouver Canucks, they're just a really young team that just need time to develop, I've, judging by what they've got. They might move Alex Edler, Chris Tanev, but that's really all they could do because they're just young and they just need time. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, you've got to have faith in an organization that's actually brought in a guy who is genuinely a, a league leader in his first year with Pedersen. I mean, that guy is an absolute gun. So uh, I think he's leading all rookie scoring, isn't he? And, he, yeah. and he's leading the franchise. He is a genuine, exciting prospect, as much as it hurts me to say it. Besser is playing well. They've got good goaltending. They are a good franchise, although it may take them, you know, a year or two to step up into the into the top rung of the league. Speaking of teams that have taken a year to step up into the top rung, they've only been in the league one year and they're already there. The Vegas Golden Knights, it really does become a question of exactly where they want to upgrade. They could upgrade on D, they could upgrade up front, but they've got that many picks and prospects from hoarding them via the expansion draft that they really do have the ability to go wherever they want, but it might be a question of George McPhee of too many options and not knowing exactly where to upgrade. You'd have to say that Batman gave these guys an absolute rails run to success, mm. didn't he? Yeah, they, they, they made the made final, the final and, and lost in, in five, yeah, but to make it in your expansion year means you've got some serious, serious talent. They've still got talent. I think there's a lot of discussion around tweaking the rules to make sure the next expansion draft isn't as generous, but they've already traded. They've, they've already sent players away. We picked up some players from, from Vegas over the over the off-season, and they, so they, their depth is extraordinary, and after a slow season, they've sort of started to find their, uh, their wheels again. I think they'll probably go playoffs again. They're third now. They're seven games above 500, and they're looking like they're a very, very difficult franchise to get through, aren't they? Absolutely. The only other team before we get to your flames is the San Jose Sharks. I don't really think there's much we can talk about there because they've made their move with Eric Carlson. They are absolutely capped out. They have something like $700,000 left in the salary cap. They're not moving any of their 
current players out. So they're not going to be able to bring anything in because the prospect pipeline is fairly dry. Which brings us to your Calgary Flames. Now, you weren't expecting to be sitting on top of the Pacific and maybe a playoff run was expected, but certainly this season has been far and beyond what you would have expected, even with James Neal proving to be a dud. I think that's right. Neal hasn't quite fit in, although he is uh, uh, one of those sort of quality grinding players that puts pressure on. I don't think there's anyone that sort of expects him to stay off the score sheet for an extended period of time. Or he's he, put it this way, he's already been on for an extended period of time. At some mm. point, he's going to sort of break out of that. The one thing you would say about Calgary is that the top line has really produced for him this year. you got Johnny Hockey, you got Monaghan and Lindholm, who they picked up from Carolina, who came across with the coach, Bill Peters. Those guys have really, really produced. It falls away a little bit from there, although they do have some good young talent in the Jankowskis and so on coming through. They are going to have to come up against some fairly big cap hit when, when they try to re-sign Kachuk. Kachuk hit the post early and scores here! is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. So they're going to have to come up with money. Could they trade? They probably have a bit of a weakness at, at goalie. Mike Smith, who's now 37, is probably a bit past it. And then there's a, their rookie, David Riddick, who's playing really well, but has no playoff experience. So look to them to potentially go to Howard. We, we were talking about this earlier. You could pick up Howard from uh, from Detroit, maybe. They are playing well. And I guess there'll be a question as to whether they can hold up that level of play. They've sort of fallen away a little bit since the, the All-Star game. If you wanted to go a little bit wider very quickly, rather than Jimmy Howard, would you go for Sergei Bobrovsky or would you go for Jonathan Quick in net? I guess the age of those players is is the main thing. If you're going to stay with Riddick long term, and it certainly looks like they, they will, um, as long as he his save percentage stays up there, you probably only need to work him through for the next couple of years and he'll be a genuine superstar on his own. So, can you afford to go for a guy who's well into his 30s, like Howard? Maybe you can. Do, do you look to go longer term with somebody else? Possibly. I would think, you know, they would be looking to be for Riddick to be a, a cornerstone player. They love his athleticism. He's one of the new breed of goalies who's, I think he's 6'3 or 6'4, so he covers a lot of the net. He's young. He's come up through their their system, so they feel like they know him well. They know his capability, so um, they could go a long way, but, you know, he's an unknown prospect in the playoffs because this will be his first playoff run. What's your tip very quickly coming out of the West? Who, who goes on to probably end up playing Tampa in the final? Well, you would have to say at this point that it's going to be San Jose or Calgary. I guess it depends on what sort of playoff run they get and who they face in the first and second round. But out of the West, you certainly have three very, very capable franchises with Winnipeg, San Jose and Calgary and possibly Nashville as well. So um, I'd like to think Calgary can get back there, but they may be flying too close to the sun, as much as it pains me to to tell you worship that. I know those words will come back to haunt me. There you go, Muzi. Respect. You hope they don't come crashing to earth. And uh, you'd look to a team like San Jose for sure, who's got a lot of playoff experience. There's some very, very experienced hard players. So they, they, they could be the one that emerges. It's been a pleasure having you on, David. We'll be doing an Australian Ice Hockey League preview in not too long. And hopefully we can get you back on there so you can gloat a little bit more about how your CBR brave defeated Sydney Bears in last year's grand final. Love to. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much, David. Thanks for joining us on Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM. Next three weeks, we're dedicating to New South Wales Rugby League previews. Tony Dawson will be carrying you through that. But for now, it's goodbye from Splinters. Splinters.